You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Last Sunday, we started a series in the book of Acts, and we, we call it the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. Last week, I mentioned that um, I like the idea that it's the book, uh, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. When we talk about the book of Acts, uh, it's written by Dr. Luke, uh, the Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote this about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, Acts is a continuation of Luke, and so really it would be best seen as Luke-Acts, as one, uh, one piece of work, and we talked a little bit about that last week, that the, in the first 11 verses were really a recap, a tie between Luke's gospel and now the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, and the focus last week was this idea that we are called to wait and the idea was to wait before we do, that there's a waiting uh, process that needs to precede our doing. So we wait on the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to see modeled here in the next several weeks as we continue to, to move through the book of Acts. And the big picture, uh, within the fi- first five chapters, the theme is this idea that we were created with purpose. The church was created with purpose. And so the church was, we individually are. Uh, in Acts, God is wanting to do something supernatural. And you can see that already in the first few verses. We're going to see that over and over right to the end uh, of Acts. And, uh, and God did w- the supernatural as he launched the church. And it was an incredible journey. And that's what we get to study from a very factual, from a very uh, kind of line-by-line way as we look at the book of Acts. And I want you to know that God wasn't just moving in the book of Acts. He's moving today. And he wants to do the supernatural today just as much as he did in the early church. The idea of reaching one more, the idea of expanding our territory so that we can make a bigger impact in this community and across the globe um, is God's will. And it takes the supernatural to see that all those things happen. How many believe that? Amen. As we look at the second half of the chapter one, uh, the keys uh, we're going to see some keys to receiving all of God that he wants for us. Uh, the answers, uh, it answers the question, how God takes ordinary people and does the supernatural. How many ordinary folks do we have here today? Let me just see. All right. Any ex- extraordinary people here? All right. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I promise you, if I was sitting and someone asked that, I'd be like, Yeah, that's me. (laughs) I'm extraordinary, right? But God, he takes ordinary people and he does the supernatural. Now, if you pre-read the second half of Acts chapter 1, you know already that the story here is about the transition of replacing a disciple. Judas Iscariot, of course, the traitor, went off and killed himself after Jesus um, came back to life. And uh, it's often a a part of scripture that you read, but you don't really uh, linger there. It's often overlooked. And you say, well, what's the big deal here? And uh, why was it so important that there were 12 apostles uh, moving forward? And the simple answer is that it was just God's plan to do that. 
Uh, if you look a little more complex, and this is uh, not where I really want to hang, but I thought we should answer this, um, it's really a fulfillment of prophecy in Psalm chapter uh, 69, uh, verse 25. In fact, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to uh, start. And, uh, and we'll see that in verse 20, it says, It was written in the book of Psalms, and the first little phrase there is from Psalm 69, 25. It said, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. In other words, it was prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed, that someone among Jesus' disciples would leave or be uh, off the scene. The very next verse, it was rooted from Psalm 109, verse 8. Again, these are prophecies hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. It says, may another take his place of leadership. You say, well, why was that so important? I want you to turn with me. Hold your place in Acts. We're, of course, we're going to end up there. But in Luke chapter 22, and look at how I'm slowing down so you can get there and write it down. <laughs> Luke chapter 22, verse 28. I'll start reading there. This is Jesus at the Last Supper. It says, you are those who are, have stood by me in my trials. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying, look, you've been with me. You've, uh, you're here. You've been with me. And he says, I, and I confer on you a kingdom. He says, I'm transferring my kingdom just as my father conferred or transferred uh, one to me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, to the average reader, you might just skip over that, but this was a big deal. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, and there's a future prophetic that, the, that there would be 12 that would represent the 12 tribes of Israel. They would sit on a throne and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. I just said that. Um, I wrote this. Uh, uh, this is a direct quote from a commentary. It says, It was necessary that 12 men witness at Pentecost uh, to the 12 tribes of Israel and also that the 12 men be prepared to sit on the 12 thrones to judge the 12 tribes. So this is kind of future uh, moving forward. And so Peter, he kind of discerned this. He had heard Jesus talk about it. There was prophetic words from the Old Testament. And he's saying, look, Judas Iscariot is gone. We need to replace him. And so that's what they do in Acts chapter 1. Uh, now, hopefully you're still there. Let's look at it. Verse 23 it says, So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these you have chosen to take over this, this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and it fell on Math uh, Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. What's interesting, from this point forward in Scripture, you never hear about Matthias, you never hear about the rest of the disciples, although we know that they were active, other than Peter and other than Paul, uh, you don't see them mentioned in Scripture, but they were working behind the scenes, and now they're back to the 12, and we understand that. It's interesting that, that they cast lots, and this is seen a lot in the Old Testament, 
And uh, in the Old Testament, it was called the Ermin Thummim. It was the way to uh, to discern the will of God. And they would uh, cast lots or they would have uh, different measures, different sticks at different lengths. They would hide the length and the the long one would win. That was the Ermin Thummim. And that is also the last time in Scripture that this type of casting lots was mentioned. And so this is not a rule or saying, hey, let's go to the casino and gamble, okay? <laughs> and, uh, but you say, well, why is that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, we know why. Because the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene, and we're going to talk about that next week in a big way. And, uh, and now the Holy Spirit resides in believers where we can know and discern the will of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so it's not a mystery. It's no secret. It's not complicated. We can know the will of God. We can be led by the Spirit. We can walk with the Spirit. We can keep in step with the Spirit. And, uh, and that's kind of a, the big backdrop or the big picture there. Now, today, for our time, I want to focus on three verses in the second part of Acts chapter 1. And let's look at those starting in verse 12. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. So remember, in, well, actually, we're going to get there in just a second. So it says, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Again, we don't see any of those named uh, from this point forward. Very interesting. But it says they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And remember, uh, if you look in in the Gospels, his brothers, Jesus' half-brothers, his stepbrothers, didn't even believe that he was the Son of God until after he was risen. But now they're in the upper room, in the 120. Pretty interesting there. Uh, and, and these are the three verses I want to concentrate on. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking, God, that over these next few moments, you would illuminate your scripture, that you would help us to understand and help us to not only understand, but that it would go from our um, head knowledge to our heart and that it would change us from the inside out. God, I pray that the three keys to supernatural ministry that we're going to discuss would ring loud and true that we would put these things into action. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. In these three verses, we see three keys to supernatural ministry. If you came to me and said, you know, I would love for the supernatural to be at work in my life, here are three keys that have to be evident. And we see it in these three verses. The first is the idea of obedience. I want you to turn with me to the end of, of Luke, where we, uh, we know it's Luke Acts, and at the end of Luke, what were the disciples doing? They were with Jesus, right? And we understand that they were with Jesus, and Jesus was about to ascend, and starting in verse 49, it says, and I am going to send you what my Father has promised, this is the promise of the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It says that when they had led them out of the, to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. 
Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. He said to wait. He said, go and wait. And then it says they stayed continually at the temple praising God. They did what Jesus told them to do. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we studied this last week. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Again, that was the instruction while Jesus was with them, and then now Jesus is gone, and the disciples, they decide to wait. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they waited. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, that's where the story begins for Acts. They waited. They went to Jerusalem. They returned from the Mount of Olives, where they were, where Jesus ascended into heaven, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room, some call it the upper room. It was probably uh, uh, someone rich that had a, a large piece of property, a large room on a second floor, uh, most likely. And they stayed there and they did some things. But it started with this idea of obedience. The disciples purposed in their lives to do what God called them to do. They returned to Jerusalem without direction. They did not, it did not matter what they didn't understand. They were going to do what God told them to do. How is it going to play out? Again, it didn't matter. The truth is that God doesn't always give us the full picture. Isn't that the truth? And the reality is, if God did lay out, let's say, the next year or five years or ten years, we would probably be so stunned, we would probably not move, right? <laughs> And uh, the reality, God gives us step-by-step instructions. And the hang-up, though, is that we want to know everything. At some level, we could say, man, if I just knew that it was going to work out, then I'd go, right? Or if I just knew that, that so-and-so was, would come through, then I would pull the trigger. And for a lot of people, they get stuck in this, in this area, and they end up doing nothing. You say, well, how about these disciples? How long did they have to wait? How long did they have to be obedient? Jesus said to, it would be a few days. And so again, they're in the upper room, which was near the temple. And one day goes by. Then two days go by. And then three days. And then four. Now let me pause here. Let me just remind you that in the upper room, in this, in this story right here, there would have been 120 people. That's a big group of people waiting for days, four days, five days, six days, seven days, they were doing what Jesus said to do. And what I can see as I read this, that it took time for the Holy Spirit to work in their midst. For a lot of us, uh, we, we, God wants to do something through us, and I want you to know that it takes time with God. In John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, uh, it talks about Jesus says, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Without, from, without me, you can do nothing. The idea is that we have to be in the presence. We have to be close to the Lord. I just want to remind you that when we talk about soap, and when we talk about reading God's Word, and this is kind of the minimum expectation across the board for everyone that calls the Gateway Church their home, we're saying, hey, 
you can do this. You can get into God's word and to do this. And some of you are saying already, man, that is a burden. It's not part of your normal habits. And, and I get that. And I've been there before. But I promise you that as you dive into God's word, you spend time with God, things will, uh, will happen. God is saying, spend more time with me. Spend more time with me. For most people, one or two days, three days with 120 people in an upper room in the in a same place, they're getting antsy. I am sure of it. Six days, seven days, eight days, nothing supernatural yet. But they didn't give up. They stayed obedient to what God had said to do. A lot of times people go back to their old habits, and I get that. We walk away from obedience. And then we wonder why we feel like we've missed the presence of God. Well, we walked away. We didn't wait. We didn't take the time. We didn't continue to be obedient. Could it be that we have not purposed to live in obedience to the best of our ability? Instead, we look to convenience. We look to comfortable living. See, answered prayer is directly related to obedience in our lives. And so we wait. We get in God's word. We spend time in prayer. We purify ourselves. We say, God, is there anything in our lives that's not pleasing to you? And uh, for some of us, that, uh, uh, that causes uh, some areas to come to mind that we need to remove. Maybe TV or things we've read or different habits or different places we might go. Those things have to go if we're going to be obedient to what God has called. See, what's happening, they're setting themselves up for the supernatural to happen, for supernatural ministry. The first is obedience. The second uh, thing that we see in these three scriptures is not only were they obedient, they were unified. There was unity. In verse 14, it says they all joined together. Again, who joined together? It was the 11 disciples plus Matthias and Barsabbas, for sure. Uh, it mentions that the women were there. Mary was there. The 120, Jesus' brothers, uh, James and Judas, and maybe a few others were there. How long did they have to wait overall being unified in this way? Ten days before chapter 2 came. And as I was reading this, and I was kind of just thinking and, and uh, uh kind of letting this mull over, I turned into one of the commentaries that I used, and there was a section that talked about the potential division within the disciples, the things they could have murmured about or kind of uh, uh, backbiting and, and kind of uh, in each other's face. Uh, they, it was mentioned that Peter could have been criticized for his denial, saying, man, Peter, why did you deny Christ? Or Peter might have blamed John because John brought Peter into the high priest's house and and cause some confusion and, and cause uh, kind of in the process of Jesus going to the cross. Or John may have reminded everyone that he was at the cross and everyone else was gone saying, man, why did you leave me? And I was the only one left. Or John could have said, hey, I'm the one taking care of Jesus' mother. I'm the one taking care of Mary. Again, there could have been uh, in, inbreeding, or, or not inbreeding, but uh, uh, infighting. And, and this was a diverse group, and the potential for division over days. How many, if your family got together, there might see, be some issues. We just went through the holidays. And, uh, and, and if you were with people for day after day after day, just imagine, right? 
But before the Lord can move, this is important. You have to be unified. Unity is a prerequisite for the Spirit of God to move. Verse 14, they all join together. The word there, uh, in in the King James, it says one accord. Uh, It's used five different times in the book of Acts. It means to have the same temperature, to have the same passion, to be like-minded, to have uh, the same promise, to be united in heart and in mind. They were protecting unity. It's serious business. In the early church, those 120, somehow they realized that they needed to be together. Now, let me just pause. At the Gateway Church, we take unity seriously. It is important. It is serious business. One of the membership commitments that we talk about is backing up the pastors. And we talk about that in membership class. We talk about it at other times. We do not entertain negative talk. We do not entertain backbiting. Or we will fight for unity in those cases. We, when there's division that may seem to, to, be, uh, to be working into the ranks, we don't just let that go. We confront those areas and we make sure that we get all the cards on the table and we work hard at protecting unity. Now, is it difficult? Absolutely. Do I love it? Absolutely not. Do I wish that we were just all perfect and could get along all the time? Absolutely. But that's not, not the reality. It's hard work, yes, but I want you to know that power and strength is found when we are unified. It's so important. Supernatural ministry is rooted in this idea of unity. It was needed in the New Testament church. Certainly in the next several days and months and years, the church was going to be persecuted. They needed to be unified. Many of the disciples gave their lives for the cause of Christ. They were waiting. They were preparing, being prepared, and they were unified. Two things so far, obedience and unity. But there was a third thing in the mix as well. A third key to supernatural ministry is this idea of prayer. They prayed. Verse 14, it says, constantly in prayer prayer. They were in prayer. And just so you know, if you're from a, uh, a, a different background, they were praying with Mary, the mother of Jesus. They weren't praying to the mother of um, Jesus. And uh, that might be meaningful to some that are here. Uh, but they prayed without ceasing for these days. They were together and they constantly were in prayer. You say, well, how is that possible? How is it possible in this busy life that we have? In 2018, the hustle and the bustle of uh, this modern day life, how could we ever pray? And I think I had a word from the Lord. I wrote it down in my notes, and I'm going to hide behind my pulpit um, because this is no stoning zone. I, I just thought, well, maybe they could pray more, or we could pray if we watched less TV or participated in less social media. (laughs) Or we even participated less in our hobbies. 
See, even good things can keep us from God's best. We have to take this serious and make it a priority to be people of prayer. The truth is we are created with purpose. That's the point of the first five chapters of Acts. But we need to seek out our purpose and we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And it starts with prayer. We, you should be in Acts chapter uh, 1 there. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42. The early church, they modeled this over and over. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The early church was a praying church. You can fast forward to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple. What were these disciples going to do? They were going at a time of prayer. It was 3 in the afternoon. They were praying. They devoted themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. Just flip another page over. Verse 24 says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. This is the, the believers rallying after Peter and John came back from being in front of the Sanhedrin. And they, they were together again. They said, look, we're stopping everything. We must pray. We've got to pray. One more, just as a pattern kind of in the first uh, several chapters of Acts. Acts chapter 6, verse 4 says, uh, well, let's back it up. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men. They're deciding who is going to be a part of the, the team choose men full of the Holy Spirit. We will turn this responsibility over to them and they and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. The disciples understood that their call, their plan, their purpose was to pray. As leaders of the church, of the early church, they had to pray. Paul knew this as well. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, 18. And Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's Ephesians 6, 18. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, we see it again, this idea of prayer. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Colossians church. Uh, Ephesians, or Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being, full, being watchful and thankful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Again, we see this idea that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then in 1 Thessalonians verse 5, verse 17, I love to memorize short verses. This is one. It just says simply, pray continually. Say it with me. Pray continually. Anyone can memorize that one, right? Memorize a verse this week. Pray continually. Paul understood it. The early church knew it. The, the disciples understood it. And if the disciples and the apostles, the 120 that were, that were living at that time, if they did it, we can do it. And I was thinking about it. They were in an upper room. They didn't leave day after day after day, and they prayed. And that's all they did, as we understand they were praying. And you would think about it. If you were living in that day and kind of an onlooker at this group of 120, 
you would have thought, I would have thought, those people are weird. Come on, let's think about it. They're not going to work, they're just praying. 120 of them in this upper room. You could hear it as you'd walk by and you'd think, man, those people are different. And let me just say that if we get this idea that we pray continually without ceasing as the scripture encourages us, we will be different and set apart as well. But when you say it's different, it's not just different and nothing else added along. We're saying it's different, but powerful. You will be different, but you will be equipped for supernatural ministry when you pray. We are called to live these verses out, to pray continually. And what it does for us, it does the same thing that it did in Acts chapter 2. We, when we pray continually, we are full of the Holy Spirit, full of God, a life dominated by the presence of God. We might be weird, yes, but powerful, full of strength. And that's what God calls us to do. So this morning, I'm curious, what is the priority in your life? What is the priority in your life? We've just given you three keys to supernatural ministry, supernatural work in our own lives. Obedience, right? Uh, the idea of being unified, the idea of praying continually. I was reminded of a movie that's one of our favorites in our house, and uh, it's, it, the movie call, is called August Rush. And uh, if you've got older kids, you certainly could watch it. Um, but, uh, but it's interesting. The, the movie August Rush is about this kid who loved music and was a music prodigy. Uh, and he was separated from his parents, and he thought that the music was going to you know, connect his family. And uh, that's kind of weird. But, uh, but the part that reminded me of this being what's the priority in our lives is that August Rush, uh, he was being mentored by this freak kind of guy, and uh, he said, you've got to love music even more than food. And, uh, and later on in the, the movie, August Rush, this kid, says, yeah, I love music even more than food. This idea that it doesn't matter what's going on, the priority is music in that circumstance. I was thinking about it for us as believers. I want that the priority of God's presence and the Holy Spirit working in me, that that's more important than anything, including food, even more than food. This is the way the early church behaved. They wanted to do what Jesus did. They, want, they knew the importance of unity, and they prayed continually. They wanted all that God had for them. And the great thing is that they got it in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I want to just focus on these keys kind of leading up to Pentecost for us. What is it in our lives that we need to realign? What priority is a little out of whack or not aligned from a biblical perspective. And I believe God wants to minister in these areas today. Let's pray. 
Lord, I'm asking that in the next few moments, Pastor Bob, you can come. Lord, that you would just reveal yourself in a sweet and a powerful way. God, you've prepared us in great worship today. Your word has come alive in our hearts and in our minds. And now we look to apply this word and make it real and put it into action in our lives. We don't want to just be hearers of the words. We want to be doers of your word. And I pray that you would just speak loud and clear in these next few moments in Jesus' name. The first thing I'd like to address is our relationship with the Lord. And then we're going to come back to these three keys. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're here and you're saying, you know what, this is all new to me. I don't even understand what you're talking about. Let me just explain briefly. The Word of God describes all of us as sinners. We were born with a sin nature. The idea is that we cannot save ourselves because the sin in our lives would keep us from spending an eternity away from Jesus in heaven. The reality is that without a Savior, without someone to save us, we would spend an eternity in hell. But the gift of God has been made available to us, to you, to me. It, we call it the gift of salvation, and it's what saves us. It's the idea that we believe, we put our faith in someone different than ourselves. And the only person that we should put our faith in is Jesus Christ. He's the one that has died for us, according to Scripture. He took our sins on His shoulders, and He doesn't count our sin against us when we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning, and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I need to make that decision. I need to put my faith in Jesus. I'm just going to ask that you would lift your hand right where you are. If you're here today and you're ready to make that decision, you're saying, man, I don't want to go another moment without knowing that my sins are forgiven, that my sins have been covered. Just slip up your hand right where you are. I'm curious. I'm like, don't want to embarrass you, certainly, but I'd, I'd love to be able to walk with you and pray with you and, and connect you with, with someone. Who here this morning would say yes to Jesus in that way? Anybody all at all, first service here? Just take another moment. Just slip up your hand so I can see it. Okay. All right. I don't see any hands. So let me just get your eyes on, on me here for a moment. There are three keys to the supernatural walk that we're heading towards as we move through the book of Acts that we see in these three verses loud and clear from my perspective. The first is the key of being obedient. And I'm not going to re-preach my message here, but I'm curious what area in your life right here, right now, is the Holy Spirit revealing that there's some areas that, that may not be lining up to his word and you have not been walking in obedience and there's some dis, uh, disconnect between your walk and the walk that God wants you to walk are there areas in your life where you've been disobedient 
And I wrote in my notes, what is it going to take for you to do what God is calling you to do, to be obedient? See, the will of God is not complex. It should line up with Scripture, but the Holy Spirit can reveal His Word. And in regards to purity, in regards to just straight-out obedience, doing what God says, my heart for us is that we'd be in tune with what He desires and we'd walk that out. I'm curious, in a room like this, how many of us would say, you know, I'm living in obedience 100% of the time. (laughs) And we kind of chuckle, right? Because the truth is, in a moment's notice, we could be tracking and doing well that we can get off track. And if you're off track this morning, in the next few moments, when we decide to pray, when we get to that point, I'm going to ask that you ask the Holy Spirit to help you to get back in line and to be obedient, to obey. Parents, there are a lot of us in here that are parents. How many times do we have to look our kids in the eye and just say, obey? And I want you to just to see the Holy Spirit getting down at your level, looking into you in the eye and saying, obey. Do what I've said to do. And for some of you, you know exactly what that means. The second thing is this idea of unity. I wrote in my notes, where is there division in your life? Where is there division? In your family? In your marriage? Is there division in your workplace? Or is there division in maybe your relationships and friendships? Because ultimately, when there's discord, when there's division and divisiveness, it leads to destruction. So if you're here this morning, and you, there's an area in your life that is not unified, um, I'm going to ask that you, in a moment when we pray, that you address that with our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, help me to be unified. Help me to bring unity into my life and into my situations. And for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The thing that where there's disunity, uh, I'll just be straight up um, as I'm discerning. There are marriages this morning that are disunified. And the Lord is gently bringing you to a place saying, look, you've got to deal with this with the Lord's help. There are issues in some of our families, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, relationships that went through the holidays, and you're saying, I'm never going back, never want to be in the same room again. And God is, is whispering some of those things to us. And then the third area is this idea of prayer. And I'm going to ask that everyone would stand here for a moment. And uh, Pastor Bobby's going to lead us in a song and, uh, and really just kind of create a backdrop. And we've got just a few minutes here that we've created for us to practice our prayer, that we would be together. Maybe there's 120 or more even right here that we would kind of uh, come to the throne of God and we would pray and we would ask the Lord to help us to not only pray in this moment, but we would take the presence of God with us and we would be people to pray continually. Now, who's here would say, you know what? I need to improve in that idea that I would walk with God, that I'd pray continually. Lots of hands, absolutely. 
all across this place. And so what we're going to do, Pastor Bobby, lead us as the Lord's leading you. And I'm going to ask that this turns into a place of prayer just for the next few moments. Let's pray. Come on, let's lift our voices to God to tell him that we want to be obedient, that we choose, we purpose to be obedient, and that we want to be unified. God, I pray where there's disunity, Lord, that you would bring back into alignment things that have been broken, things that have been jaded. God, I pray. We just ask that you would just breathe on us, God. Holy Spirit, help us, God. Prepare us, God, as we pray in this place together. Come on, church. We're praying together. We're asking that the Holy Spirit prepare us for supernatural ministry. That when we walk out of these doors, Lord, we would be activated. We would be prepared that your presence would go with us, God. Lord, that you would do the impossible. That you would do the incredible. Oh, Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, touch us. Speak to our hearts. For those that are dealing with obedient areas in your life, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. Right where you are. Come on, as a sign saying, Lord, there's areas in my life where I've been disobedient. I have not followed your ways. I have not been living according to Scripture. Or I, you've called me to do something and I have not decided to, to obey. I have not decided to step up and to do what you've called me to do. Come on, with your hand raised, I want you to just ask the Lord for forgiveness and then ask the Holy Spirit for His help to be obedient. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for your work. Holy Spirit, breathe into these situations, I pray. Do what only you can do, God. Move in this place, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Bring us into alignment, I pray, in Jesus' name. And now for those that are, have areas of, of disunity, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are as a sign. There's something in my life, my family, my marriage, my, something at work, something uh, uh, in my relationships. There's maybe even something inside of me that's disunified. With your hands raised, I want you to just ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Right here, right now. Come on, just you and the Lord. Holy Spirit, breathe into these situations. Lord, you know exactly what we're facing. Lord, we give you our hearts and our lives. Lord, move. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, speak to us, God. Show us the next step. God, speak. Move by the power of your Holy Spirit. Show us, Oh, we thank you, God. And now just everyone across this place, in a one unified manner, let's lift our voice to the Lord. You say, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm just going to encourage you to trust me, just to pray out loud, even if it's quiet here for a moment. And I'm going to say, for 30 seconds, I'm going to track that the Lord would just work through us, that we'd glorify the Lord together. This is our preparation for the Holy Spirit to, to breathe the supernatural. So 30 seconds, let's do it. On your marks, get set, go. Let's lift our voices. Oh, we praise you, God. We worship you, God. 
We bless your name, God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Consume us, God. Consume me, Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on, 15 more seconds. We lift you up, God. We bless your name. Pour out your power. We worship you, Lord. Have your way, you Jesus. Oh, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. Father, I pray that you'd be preparing us far beyond what we could ever imagine or even think. Lord, you desire to work in us, to move in our hearts and our lives. And we want to be ready. Help us to obey. Lord, I pray that we would protect unity. And Lord, that you would just challenge us to be people of prayer. And now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I just want to say one last thing before we turn and leave. We can take the presence of God with us. And that's my charge to you, is to take this and infect the world wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.